Hello, this is John Henry Weston with The John Henry Weston Show. This episode is a call out to all sincere non-Catholic Christians who love Christ and want to serve him above all else. To those evangelical, non-denominational, Reform, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Baptist, and other Christians who love the truth of Christ in this day and age, which rejects it, and are willing to stand for Christ's truth despite the rejection of the world, please stay tuned. Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now wait, to all my non-Catholic Christian brothers and sisters in Christ, wait, before you leave this page, I want to say that the Catholic Church needs you to join its ranks right now, like never before. You see, there's a war going on for the soul of the Church, and those in the Church who love the immutable truths of Christ on life and family are in desperate need of reinforcements from Bible-believing Christians who know the truth of Christ and are willing to stand up for it despite the costs, despite the pressures of the world to conform to the world's anti-Christian, anti-life, anti-family doctrine. In the whole 2,000-year history of the Church, there has never been more internal pressure to conform to the world as there is today. Christ prayed for his future disciples prior to his death. He said, and I quote, Father, may they be one, even as you and I are one. That oneness goes far beyond having differences and being able to pray comfortably together without hesitation, let alone more fundamental differences such as around the breaking of the bread in the commemoration of the Lord or, or around baptism. But for me, the deepest reason why I want to reach out to you, especially to you really good, good believers and lovers of Christ, is that I'm privileged to know some of you whose faith and commitment and devotion I've admired and tried to emulate. You are committed to Jesus. You are such good people, such generous, kind, loving, caring, willing to give till it hurts, self-sacrificing, awesome soldiers for Christ. You deserve the fullness of truth much more than the miserable sinner that I am. So, as is typical for LifeSite, instead of starting with the easier doctrines in the church, I wanted to start with what is, at least for most uh, non-Catholic Christians, the biggest stumbling block when it comes to Catholicism, namely Mary, the mother of Jesus. So, let's begin with a title for Mary that causes some Christians much discomfort. It's Mother of God. This title, understandably, has many Christians confused. It may sound like Catholics believe that Mary is somehow superior to God, being his mother. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, the greatest Catholic teacher on Mary, who is universally recognized as such, was Louis de Montfort, a French priest who died in 1716. And in his greatest work on Mary, he said this, and I quote, with the whole church, I acknowledge that Mary, being a mere creature fashioned by the hands of God, is compared to his infinite majesty less than an atom, or rather is simply nothing, since he alone can say, 
I am he who is, and consequently this great Lord who is ever independent and self-sufficient never had any, does not now have any, absolute need of the Blessed Virgin for the accomplishment of his will and the manifestation of his glory. To do all things, he has only to will them." End quote. The title Mother of God is actually logical and scriptural. Jesus was God from the moment of his conception, not only after his birth. Have a look at Luke 1, 43. It's the account of Mary visiting her cousin Elizabeth after she learned from the angel from the angel Gabriel that her cousin, despite her old age, was with child. When Elizabeth greets Mary, she proclaims under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, see verse 41, and I quote, How has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? End quote. The Bible talks about not making graven images and worshiping them. Yet, nearly every Catholic church has at least one statue of Mary in it. You'll read about it in 2 Chronicles 33, 6-7. You read, He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking the Lord for him to anger. He put the carved image of the idol which he had made in the house of God. End quote. So what do we make of that? Well, we also read in the Bible that God actually commanded the making of graven images for use in the temple. Right on the Ark of the Covenant, in fact, we read in Exodus 25:18. I quote, and thou shalt make two cherubims of gold, of beaten work thou shalt make them, in the two ends of the mercy seat." End quote. Now you might say that these were just meant as decoration, and Catholics look at statues and churches as much more than that, even as part of some sort of religious ceremony. But that's scriptural too. Remember when the Israelites were being killed by serpents because of their infidelity? God commanded Moses to fashion a bronze serpent and raise it on a pole. In Numbers 21, 8-9, you'll read, The Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. End quote. Obviously, God didn't intend the Israelites to think a bronze serpent had some sort of power, but to think of him, of God, and give him the glory for having saved them. And that's exactly what Catholics do with statues or pictures of saints. They see them and think of the saints and the God who made them and saved them and expect from the saints in heaven that they would pray for, to God for us. Just in the same way, we're told in the scriptures to ask other brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for us. If we actually believed that Mary were somehow superior to God, we definitely wouldn't be asking her to pray to God for us. But that's exactly what Catholics do. Catholics also consider Mary not only the mother of Jesus, but also the mother of all believers. And believe it or not, that's totally scriptural too. I came across this in an awesome book I'd recommend called Rome Sweet Home by Scott and Kimberly Hahn, who were at one time actually staunch anti-Catholic Christians, but then they were led from a study of God's word into the Catholic Church. If you read Revelations 12 at verse 17, it talks about Mary in a mystical kind of way. In fact, the whole chapter does. But it's clear that it's Mary since she gives birth to Christ who's going to rule the world with a rod of iron. But let's go to verse 17. And verse 17 says this, and I'll quote it for you. 
Then the dragon was angry with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her children, those who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus." End quote. Wait a minute. The serpent was angry with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her children, not the child that she already gave birth to, who went up God, the rest of her children, who what? Who keep the commandments of God and hold the testimony of Jesus. And that's us. So we, the Christians who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus, are the children of Mary, having Mary for our mother, just as our head, Jesus Christ, did. He is the head of the mystical body, the church, and we are the members of his mystical body. Thus, we too have God as our father, as he told us, and Mary as our mother, as we read in Revelations 12:17. In fact, many non-Catholic Christians sing a song about Father Abraham. You know the one, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Well, why do they do this? Because of his faith, of course. Paul in Romans 4 and 11 calls Abraham the father of all of them that believe, end quote. And what faith did Abraham have to make him the father of the faith? Well, it was the faith that had him believing that his way too old wife would bear a son. And also his consent to the sacrificial death of that same son, Isaac. Mary is much more deserving, actually, of the title of mother of the faith, since she was asked to believe that she would bear a son or bear a child, not in old age, but as a virgin. She too was faced with the sacrificial death of her child, but unlike Abraham, whose son was spared at the last minute, Mary was asked to endure that sacrificial death of her son as she watched under the cross. It actually fulfilled that prophecy of Simeon in the temple that a sword would pierce her own heart too. Catholics fulfill the biblical prophecy made by Mary under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when she said, and I quote, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, which you can read in Luke chapter one. To get a biblical understanding of the type of reverence that Christians should have for Mary, we can take a look at the reverence given to the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament. Because the Ark of the Covenant was sacred because God ordained its construction. According to Hebrews 9.4, it was the housing for a golden pot containing some of the manna from heaven and the tablets of the Ten Commandments and a rod of, of Aaron. And it also was called the footstool of God and meant God's presence when it was in the temple. Recall that it was so sacred that it was never allowed to be touched except by certain Levites. And this story was sort of reinforced when the story of Uzzah comes along. Uzzah was the one who touched the ark and was killed for it. In fact, what happened was he touched it to stabilize it because it was being carried by oxen and they stumbled and he was struck dead because no one was permitted to touch the ark except those whom God had ordained to touch it. And you can read that account in both Samuel, 2 Samuel 6, 1-7, and 1 Chronicles 13, 9-12. The ark was revered in the temple. It was carried in ceremony. It was considered holy. But how much more reverence should then be given to Mary, the mother of God? She wasn't only fashioned by men according to God's design. She was fashioned by God, as we all are, in the womb of her mother. But also, she 
is the new Ark of the Covenant, and she carried in herself not just the tablets of the law, but the lawgiver himself. Not just the manna from heaven, but the actual bread of heaven, which was prefigured by the manna, Jesus Christ himself. And he is the ruler of the world, which the rod was to signify. So God the Father chose Mary to give Jesus to the world. He also chose to do the first miracles of Jesus through Mary. The first miraculous recognition of Jesus in the womb of Mary by her cousin Elizabeth, and then the first public miracle of Christ at the wedding at Cana. We read that after Mary suggests that Jesus provide more wine for the wedding feast, he tells her that his time has not yet come. Nevertheless, he does perform the miracle at her behest. We are called in the scriptures to ask others to pray for us. How much more sense does it make to ask Jesus' very own mother to pray for us? Now, naturally, we can ask the saints in heaven to pray for us, too. Remember when Moses and Elijah appeared with the Lord at his transfiguration? They spoke with him. And our Lord told the Sadducees that God is the God of the living, not of the dead. So, surely, if we can communicate across the planet with our devices, God can arrange for communication of his children in heaven with his children on earth. And finally, I can tell you from my own personal experience that my Heavenly Mother Mary has been the greatest help in bringing me to love Jesus, to serve Him, and to make Him Lord of my life, to recognize Him as my Savior. I am a sinner, and I know it. And God has given me and you a Heavenly Mother to bring us to His Son. Going to Jesus through Mary is the same way that God the Father gave us Jesus through Mary. Think of the hymn, The Church is One Foundation, which as many of you sing, speaks of mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. And that's exactly what we're talking about. So, to my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, who love the Lord and have made Jesus Lord of your hearts, ask Him, ask Jesus, your dearest love, to give you the same love for Mary which He Himself had. She was the humblest of all creatures, as we learn, from her, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is the reason why she was chosen. He chose her because of the humility of his handmaid. Well, it was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that she says that, and so we know that she's the humblest of creatures. She, being so humble, would never want to detract from the glory due to her son, and she doesn't at all. No painter is offended when someone admires his painting. Mary is a beautiful creation of God who gives glory to God like no one else does. Her soul, as we read in the scriptures, magnifies the Lord. She's your mother too. She loves you and wants nothing more for you than for you to love her son with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind and all of your strength. Catholics only quote scripture when they say what many of you deem quite offensive. Read with me the words of God's messenger angel in Luke chapter 1. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And let's repeat with Elizabeth. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. These are quoting scripture. And when Catholics say, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death, we're actually and obviously asking Mary to pray to God for us. 
my dear, dear non-Catholic Christian friends who love Christ and your readiness to sacrifice for him has so inspired me. I want you to have the riches awaiting you in the Catholic Church, which is your great love for Jesus is overwhelming and compels me to offer you what poor things I can, a rather poor intro perhaps, into that last gift that Jesus gave us on the cross, his Holy Mother for our own. There are many ways to learn about the Virgin Mary and the Catholic faith. And I'd actually recommend something called Catholic Answers, which you can search for online. They're great and will answer any of your questions. In addition, we Catholics need you, soldiers for Christ, in this fight for the soul of the church right now. We need a division of Marines in this war. Your Heavenly Mother is calling you to love her son and his church. It's where you belong. Please, please come home. And if nothing else, I hope I've helped you to understand from a biblical perspective why Catholics have Mary as their mother, just like Jews had Abraham as their father in faith. So if this issue or episode was of help to you, please let me know in the comments, and I'll do more on this subject. For LifeSite News, this is John Henry Weston, and may God bless you.